What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Standing Room Only podcast, episode 51. No no guests this week. I know that we've had a few in the past, but it's just going to be us two talking today. As always, make sure you guys hit that subscription button on Apple and Spotify, and then make sure to download every single episode uh, when you get the opportunity to. You can delete it afterwards, but the only stat that we track is our downloads so make sure you do that it's the best way to show support you can follow our social media page sr only pod on twitter and instagram you can follow our personal pages mine is at the healy six and dustin's is i am at i goose four o's as always don't ask why we're both on twitter we're on instagram we are on twitch as well twitch.tv slash i goose four o's he is the healy six Healy six, no just the. Healy six, no, no the. the. But so welcome back, welcome back. It has been a wild week. We go from, uh, you know, last week the the end of October, Halloween. We're at the beginning of November, and it's a very special day, very special week. Obviously, we have day two, election night, day two, actually. So the world's kind of hectic right now. So anybody that's tuning in, we appreciate it. As Healy said, hit that download button. Yeah, we're going to start off with the Chicago White Sox. They they had some big news last week. Uh, they fired Rick Renteria. I can't remember the timeline on that. But within the past week, they hired Tony LaRussa to be the new manager. What was your initial thoughts when that happened? My initial thought was, oh shit, we signed a winning coach, a World Series winning coach, uh, somebody with a great overall record. But immediately I was like, wait, I don't remember the last time he coached. And isn't he like 100? Isn't he put, he's like up there, right? You know, not to knock on anybody's age. So I looked him up and he's 87, I believe. So he's up there in age. <sighs> I don't know how I feel. I, I really do not know how I feel yet about the hiring of Tony LaRussa. Obviously, he coached the Sox before back in like the 70s, and he's been around. He's been around. I think it was one of the biggest regrets um, for Reinsdorf and, and the Sox organization to get rid of him. He goes on to, to Oakland uh, through the 80s, early 90s, then to St. Louis, and we saw what he did with St. Louis. He's coached uh, Mark McGuire. He's coached, uh, managed uh, Albert Pujols and, 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 you know, your Adam Wainwrights and your Carpenter, like all, all these big names, you know, and, you know, he's won over a hundred games like four or five times. And his, his overall man, managerial record is great. And I'm looking that at that. And then I'm like, well, he's gotta be, he's up there. He's like, he's like what? 75, 76 years 76 old. 76 years old. Yep. He's 76 years old. I don't know if Renteria was part of the problem with Chicago because, I mean, he did what he could with what he had over the past couple of years. And they did better than I felt is expected. I felt like they, they I did not think we're going to compete for the division, even in a 60-game season. Um, I did feel as though that they would win a wild card. Um, at, and you know, they, they ended up taking a wild card, but it was so close that they were, if there was a few more games left in the season, they could have easily taken the division in a tough division. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess I'm not, you know, I'm, I can't say I'm upset or that I'm happy. I'm like, a ha I'm at a happy medium. Uh, I think that he's very knowledgeable and he's been around the game. It's just, you have him being, you know, have having coached from the seventies and you have these super, super young guys. And then I'm like, well, Joe Madden coached a very young Cubs team. And I don't want to say he's old. Like, I hate to knock anybody's age, especially when it comes to, to sports. Um, but, I mean, Joe Madden did it, you know, years, years, years after he's been coaching. Um, and he led uh, the Cubs to the World Series. And I think Tony Larusa has what it takes. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I know you're not a Sox fan, Healy, but what, what were your thoughts? I did not like the decision at all. I get what he's done. He was with a great organization. That's what I want to put the focus on. He was with a great organization, which yeah. really helped him out. They got mm -hmm. what he needed. 
and it helped him with his managerial records. He's 76. He has not managed since 2011, since he won the World Series. 2011, wow. he was gone. So it's been nine years since he's been in the league. I just, the game's changed so much. Even 10 years ago, you'd see guys throw seven, eight innings, mainly six or seven would be a, a good average. Now you're seeing guys go like four innings, five innings. And that's like the happy medium for pitching. And his play style just doesn't do it. Also, I don't really like uh, his like values and stuff of what he does with the, the ball club. And he wasn't really a big like bat flip guy. He's a big like respect the game type of person. And with the White Sox, they aren't that team. They have a bunch of young guys who love playing the game, doing the bat flips. If he adjusts to that, okay, sure. Good for him. Like, he he changed his ways. He adapted. That's what you're supposed to do. But if he's stubborn and still like how he was before, that's that would be a problem. Rick Renteria, yeah. I, I think he would have been gone regardless. The same thing happened with the Cubs. The Cubs hired him on for like four years, and then they got an opportunity with, Joe Madden, so they're like, you know what? You're fired. You're out of here. You did mention Joe Madden. He had like a weird style, though. Mm-hmm. As we mm-hmm. saw with the Cubs, he did the same thing with the Rays. He's good with younger teams because he just loves mixing it up and keeping you on your toes, playing the matchups. He's kind of built for like today's style of game. He's not like a traditional style coach. It's just it's just so odd, especially with AJ Hinch getting signed to the Tigers. I, he should have been the manager you went for, not Tony Larusa. I feel like this is a decision where Jerry, as you said, fired him years ago. It was the one that got away, and he finally had the opportunity just to like complete it because you regretted it. So he's like, you know what? Come back, buddy. <laughs> Come to the White Sox <laughs> and sign him instead of just going with like the actual uh, reason to get a better manager for today's game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I think the biggest thing is, and I didn't realize it's been, it would be 10 years since he last managed. And for me being, I mean, one thing I've noticed with baseball is the, the science of baseball is there's so many more statistics and so many more breakdowns of how like different ways to scout and, and different ways to play, you know, I feel like Larusa is going to be that traditional head coach because we've seen it with the St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, this, I don't know about you, but the St. Louis Cardinals, I remember ran the same lineup every single game. It wasn't like, like you mentioned, Joe Madden throwing pitcher in the seventh, in the seventh spot or anything like that. It was always your traditional uh, lineup. And, and he, again, he was with a great organization. They obviously still have been competing after he left. Yep. And, and I mean, it's almost like, I'm not going to compare them to the new England Patriots of the NFL. Cause obviously they're not doing what we thought they were going to do. That's a whole different story. But I mean, when you have a great organization and you have good ball players and guys who just know how to play ball and good pitching, they've had great pitching in the past. Um, I, I feel like that that did help uh, Tony La Russa with his record. And I mean, he, that A's in the 90s, they were really good uh, throughout the late 80s as well, obviously. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I know it wasn't, you know, Han, apparently it wasn't his call. This was strictly on Jerry. Uh, Jerry. Yeah, it was strictly on Jerry. So either it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out well, which I feel like it would have with uh, Hinch, which should have been the guy, um, or it's going to backfire and we are going to have the Chicago luck that we as fans, South side and North side generally get. I mean, that's just how it is with Chicago sports. Mm-hmm. He is put in a good spot, so I don't see him failing anytime soon. So you could put any manager for the Sox team. And I think that they'd perform regardless. I think managers are kind of an overrated spot especially with how the game works today and how many people are speak like in your ear about stuff. 
the main decision you make is just when you pull the guys. Yeah. And yeah. and some trades if if you want to talk to like your GM or whatever, but you could baseball as well, just with how it's played, you could have the best team out there and just have a bad stretch and you win 70 games instead of 100. You could have injury issues. So in the end, will this make a huge difference? Probably not. The Sox future is looking great. Uh, AJ Hinch, I already mentioned, went to the Tigers. Great signing for them. As we know, he was with the Astros. He's a great coach there, even with the cheating scandal. He was still a very solid manager. So that should help out the Tigers. I want to see them come back up. They, their slope has gone down way too long. Need to see it on the rise again. And then another big baseball news in which we could speak about the White Sox some more. Steve Cohen is the new manager of the New York Mets. And he's the richest man... Or, New manager? Did I say manager or owner? I think it's you a said manager. manager. All right. Yeah. He's, he's the new owner. We've been speaking about managers too long. New owner of the New York Mets. He bought them. I don't know the exact amount, but this dude gives the most money out of every single owner in baseball. If So he's number one. If you combine two, three, and four, they will all combined have less money than Steve Cohen. The Mets team is about to be awesome. And I mentioned the White Sox transitioning into this. There was a couple teams that denied it. I think it was 26 to 4 in favor of, like, allowing him to buy the Mets. Jerry Reinsdorf was one of the guys that said, nah, no, don't buy it. I can't remember his reason why, but it's pretty dumb. I think it's just because he has a lot of money and they – some stupid baseball stuff. But Steve Cohen, he's already done wonders with the Mets, and he's barely owned them. So all the employees that took a pay cut early on in the year, he paid the difference for that. So he wow. paid all the employees. He's paid, He's spent 24 point something million dollars for, like, um, areas around the Mets like in in Queens and stuff for charities mm-hmm. and whatnot in different facilities. So he's all in on the New York Mets. He's helping them out a lot. He's there for the employees. He's there for the area around it. And he wants to make them the Dodgers of the East or technically like the Yankees where he's going to go out and he's going to spend money. He came in at a perfect time as well. Every owner this year lost money. Who didn't? Mm-hmm. Steve Cohen. Why? Because he just got in the game. So every owner's losing money, and it's free agency time. They aren't going to want to spend money. Steve Cohen will. There's going to be a lot of free agents, a lot of decent ones, and Steve Cohen will spend the money to get it. He has so much that their payroll should be top of major leagues over the next, like I don't know how many years that he owns them new york payroll in general is outrageous it's like that is new york is always the market you want to play in simply because for one it's new york but it's that with baseball being kind of uncapped or whatever you want to call it air quotes Mm -hmm. um yeah he bought the team for i think it was like two billion two and a half billion which is i mean that's nuts and it's gonna be worth way more anytime soon um, and that team is not bad. They they already have talented players as it is. So just imagine what he's going to be able to bring in and hopefully he can keep the, uh, some of the pitching around because um, mm-hmm. that team, I mean, was not bad as it was. Uh, I mean, granted, they weren't a playoff team. They weren't a contender, but he still, I mean, you could pick up, you know, you can turn on the TV and watch them any given day and watch, you know, Alonzo and some of the pitchers just, just go off. Yeah. So, And the Will Ponds, the owners that they got rid of, they were terrible. They were cheapskates. They treated the players like they with all they saw was a money value to them. So Noah Syndergaard, when Steve Cohen originally bought them, he tweeted out, he's like, oh my, like this is awesome. We're going to have people that are a person that sees us as actual people now and will treat us with respect and stuff. 
because he was one that they were thinking of dealing over the past couple of years and his contract is probably going to go up soon. So like he could have left and went somewhere else with this new ownership. He might stay and he might get a good offer as well. I love it. I love seeing teams spend money. I hate when they cry poor the Ricketts. Um, I'd love for them to spend some money and <laughs> like you're playing the game. I get that you're trying to make money as well. Like it's a business, but win some championships. That's the main goal at the end of the day. It's a good way to bring in revenue. Yeah. And I would love to see the Mets become relevant because they are a New York team. They've always, the Yankees have always been talked about with how many championships they and stuff they have. The Mets, they're always just, they're there. They're, they they're they spend little, some money, but they're there. They're, that's it. They're like the little, like, the little brother, the little yep. redheaded stepchild in New York. And that's how they've always been treated. And I mean, to be out, to be fair, they just don't compete as they should with them with the market that they're in mm-hmm. so i agree with you a hundred percent especially when it comes to to the rickets in chicago it's the same concept we know that a little bit more personally obviously uh they're living in the past this whole 2016 hey we won and then it's like where where are you spending your money now mm-hmm. so but like you said it's a business and obviously everybody wants to try to make money um especially with now during this pandemic but this guy made a gamble and he spent, like I said, he spent $2.4 billion and give it a couple of years. I mean, it might even double in value just based on, I mean, you got to spend, in order to make money, you got to spend money. I'm pretty sure that's, yep. that's like a, a general, that's a universal rule. You got to make money or spend money to make money. So uh, I think he's going to do it. Um, maybe a playoff contender next year. Maybe not. I'd give him two I, years. I'm going to think so. There's so many guys that got released. Mm-hmm due to options this year that he can go out and sign. And also he'll probably look to trade for people, even guys that are probably one or two years away from getting an extension, trading for them and then signing Mm -hmm. them to an extension. Signing them. Yep. Yep. That's probably the best way to go. Trade and sign. We saw that with, uh, with a few players recently. So yeah, Yelich, uh, Yelich got his and then Goldschmidt. uh, Yelich was, uh, he was with the Marlins at the time when he got traded. Yeah. Yeah. Goldschmidt, Paulie. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and you can get big. Yeah, you can get big, big name, big time players and guys that have started to show show signs of that prime, those prime years, but haven't hit prime yet. Get them for a little bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's all about how you play the game. And baseball, there's a plethora, plethora of options out there of good talent, and not just good talent, but how you work that talent with the genetic makeup of the team, what's going to be the scheme you go in? Uh, are they going to keep their head coach, you know, so on and so forth. So we have, we have a lot to look forward to now with the off season, especially with a lot of guys that did, uh, you know, that are not being uh, extended with their option. So Chris Archer's one of the people that didn't get re-signed. Uh, he's, he's been okay, but he could be signed to a good, he could be signed to a good team, be the back end of the rotation player and make mm-hmm. an impact. He's not once he, what he once was when the Cubs were trying to trade for him like a few years ago. And instead, they, uh, the Rays traded him to Tampa Bay for a great haul. <laughs> the steal of the decade, might say, with Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, and Shane Baz all went to the Rays. But he got released. Uh, unfortunately, John Lester got released. But as a Cubs fan... It was it was needed. He was gonna get twenty five million next year or twenty plus. He wasn't worth that anymore, and his performance the past couple of years just wasn't there. They could potentially re-sign him for a couple million. I I think he's gonna go to another team. He's not he's not at the level he once was. I'm sorry, and we saw that a, like he showed flashes a couple times this year, but he showed. The other side way more i just and I don't that's see that other side which is obviously not the good side i think we've been seeing a lot more the last couple of years i've always said john lester get him into the playoffs he'll rock and roll but i just don't even think he's at that level anymore no. um obviously he's getting older 
He's been around the block already. He's won a couple World Series, two or three at this point, two at Boston, I believe. So, I mean, yeah, he'll sign somewhere. Uh, he's that pitcher, and I think Archer is the same way. Uh, you bring in that guy to be a back end, uh, part of the back end rotation, pitch him five innings a game if you have to, you know. Um, not necessarily bad pitchers, but they're just not somebody you look to build around anymore, at least not, not 25, 26, 27 millions uh, a dollar's worth. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a big move for the Cubs. You know, they they have opportunity. It's they got to go out and spend the dollars. We will see. Uh, free agency. It's probably gonna be very slow this year, especially because of the money and guys like trying to find good deals. I also don't see many long term deals being signed this year. You'll see guys sign the qualifying offer, which is eighteen million. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Normally, guys don't do it though because they could get three years for like let's just say 35 million and guarantee themselves an extra 18 million on that but this year with how money is going to be spent and like the offers are going to get you can see a lot of those also probably going to see a lot of like one to three year deals i don't see a lot of long term at all it's just not there like george george springer for the astros he's a free agent now he would normally get probably a six or probably like a seven to eight year deal. This year, they're only projecting him like a four year deal, four to five. Wow. Wow. He'd still be gaining like 30 million, but they aren't doing the long term expectations with him this year. Trevor Bauer is another one. He could get like a four or five year deal as well. We will, we will see on that. I, I don't expect them the sign relatively soon especially with the off season and whatnot but another baseball news uh we all know how they love their marketing and how they're so awesome at it just like how during the playoffs they had weekends where there were no baseball games and they decided to throw eight on one day during the weekday because everyone was around during the weekday when everyone's working they decided that yesterday on election day was the perfect day to release the gold glove award winners why why was that the day like it, it wasn't obvious that that was the election day they didn't decide that like a week ago that oh yeah november 3rd's the election day oh they knew and they still went yeah let's still do it because of that if it wasn't for me following my white socks on social media I wouldn't even have known that Lewis Robert won a gold glove. I wouldn't even have known that. I, I think it was a horrible idea. Um, but, I mean, I guess nonetheless, we, we can go through the list. Healy, is there any that stood out to you where you were, like, a little surprised? Or is it just one of those that's like, eh, it's the gold glove. Guys win them all the time. Mm, I think, I think uh, Griffin Canning won it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't look. I, w- I wasn't home a lot yesterday. So in the AL, they had Evan White get one, JP Crawford get one, maybe Alex Gordon getting one. I know he's he was a seven time winner beforehand, but let me see how much he actually played this. He played 50 games. He was okay. His defensive war wasn't even positive this year. I don't, you would be able to choose someone else out of that. Mm-hmm. Get that. I, I would think. I don't know. That, that, was, that was probably the one that was like, yeah, he's retiring, so let's give it to him. And then the National League, Tucker Barnhart, he was a good one. We talked about mm-hmm. that with Tyler Stevenson came on, that he was a good one. Tyler O'Neill, interesting decision there. I know people wanted Cody Bellinger over Trent Grisham, but the defensive numbers were better for Trent Grisham. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Let me see Tyler O'Neill. So he played 50 games as well. He batted 173. He had a 621 OPS. Like that matters. Doesn't. His defensive war is actually pretty good this year. So yeah, good for him. That, that was that was a solid option. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of ones probably just the 
Alex Gordon one. Hey, there were two from uh, your Chicago Cubs. Javi Baez got his first career gold glove. And then yeah. uh, Anthony Rizzo also won. That was his his third. He actually has three in a row for gold gloves. Obviously, oh, yeah. Rizzo is incredible at that corner of the field. Uh, he's a big body. He just plays it well. Um, so shout out to those guys. Yeah, and Javi Baez didn't do it with the bat this year, but he still remained... Uh, good with with uh defensively yeah yeah so, i'm glad that he won it his stats over the past couple of years have shown that he's such a good defender so i guess that's a plus the white Sox also got one with louis bob that was it though but three for chicago mm-hmm. gold glove winners there was one more topic I was thinking about. I can't remember it, though, for baseball. I think it was just gold glove winners, but I think the next up is going to be silver sluggers. That has to be soon. And then and then in a couple weeks, they're going to do the big ones. So it'll be Cy Young, MVP. We'll get our predictions. I guess they're going to have the finalists, but they already have the finalists for that. For every position we can talk about that next week we'll, we'll talk about yeah. all that before the actual results happen so be on the lookout for that basketball news though start off with the bulls another chicago topic to start off a sport they got their assistant coaches oh yeah maurice got- cheeks aka mo cheeks and Josh Longstaff, which both have a history in the NBA. Mo Cheeks has spent his time coaching, been around 76ers. Uh, more recently, he's he was actually Billy Donovan's assistant in OKC since 2015. Great choice. Why not bring in a familiar face for Billy Donovan? And, I mean, this they basically have to – I'm excited. I'm excited. Let's just put it that way. They, mm-hmm. They've started from – the ground up with meaning from from the, the front office down to the coaching staff um it's it's full of winners obviously mo cheeks being the assistant coach to donovan and okc uh josh longstaff was an assistant with the milwaukee bucks the last two seasons and i don't know if you guys know the milwaukee bucks are kind of a big deal not just because they have Giannis, partially because they have Giannis. but they were they had like the best record in the nba um if it wasn't for Giannis getting hurt um, and you know, who knows what would have happened in the playoffs. Uh, long story short, they have coaches who have proven that they like to win games, that they can win games, and they have a very, very talented young team that they can play with. Obviously, the draft is due up in the next two weeks, two Wednesdays from today. Um, so I'm excited. Healy, I know we talked about it before the podcast. They just keep making the right moves. And I know that it's too early to say, assuming there's a basketball season next year, I mm-hmm. feel like I felt like this year was a playoff year for them. Now, I don't see how they are not a 500 team without even making moves yet in yeah. the offseason, without even making moves. Um, granted, yes, because they're in the East. If they're in the West, I do not see them being a playoff team. But, I mean, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on the signing? I mean, Mo Cheeks, to me, was, like, eye-popping because, I mean, he's been around the league. He's a veteran coach. I think the assistant coaches that Billy Donovan got were great. Um, I'm glad that he fired all the other assistant coaches under Jim Boylan. You need a full staff. And as much credit as they don't normally get, like the assistant coaches, they do a lot. They help out a lot in the practices and development of players. So I really like the comfortability with Mo Cheeks. Billy Donovan also, he felt the same way. He must uh, get advice from him a lot and like maybe bounce some ideas off of him. I think this is, this is going to be a great year. The draft they need to make the right decision. We'll see if they do that. I think that they will make a, a decent signing or some trades this offseason as well. 
there's gonna be a lot of lot of turnover in this organization. This is a fresh start. Super excited. Speaking of the draft, the Timberwolves and Warriors, they're kind of putting their pick up for uh interest. So yeah. if, if they if they get good deals, they might just say F it. We're gonna trade the pick away and take the guaranteed return, especially the Warriors, because they could win now. They weren't a terrible team at all. They just got injury prone or they had injury problems. And the couple guys on their team that got injured were their big pieces. If they yep. could trade that pick for a haul or another great player, that'd make their team even better. And I don't know if they're trying to draft someone. I know NBA players develop a little bit quicker, but they're in win now mode. They are trying to win next year. They're going to try to win the year after that. I don't know how long they want to wait on development of a player. Timberwolves, on the other hand, I don't know. They aren't really in a contention spot. They, I think they are all bluff. I think they're really just trying to see what's out there and see if they can work a deal. Well, I'm thinking that they still make the pick. I Yeah, I don't see how the T-Wolves get rid of that first pick. So many options, at least... I mean, if you look at the top four, top five, maybe six players in the draft. Beyond that, it's like it does fall off a little bit. And it is one of those questions. You know, it's always, is this year's draft a bust? I mean, it's happened where we've had years where top guys come into the league. We've had Anthony Bennett's. We've had Greg Odin's. We've had guys that have come into the league that either underperform, they get hurt. And like you, like you said, maybe it's worth toying with the idea of, hey, you know, our picks on the block pre-draft. Let's see what offers we can get in. There's teams out there. I mean, we don't know who's on the block for Chicago. They have a fourth pick. Who's to say they don't bundle it up? You know, a package that we hear about it all the time. Mm -hmm. Who's to say they don't bundle a package and I would hate to see him go, but we always hear of Zach Levine in these packages. Will the Timberwolves trade for a number four pick and Zach Levine to give up their number one pick and maybe another player to seal the deal? Maybe they maybe they want him back. Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, it would be weird to trade for him back, but he also has balled out like he's never done it you know, before. Mm-hmm. Um who knows? It might be worth it might be worth bundling a package and trading for the fifth pick in in a player. You never know. Um, I just it's I, I just don't see what Minnesota I don't see them doing that with how young their team is. Who's really gonna trade? I mean, I don't know, is it worth it even for Chicago to trade their fourth pick up to the first pick? Maybe it's not worth it. So it there's so many what ifs involved when it comes to a draft. Uh, not, that's not just for basketball. That's any sport. You know, you look at, at NFL and, and, you know, MLB, MLB is a little bit different because it's like a hundred players get drafted, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's the Timberwolves have a talented team, but they will not be a win now team for years. As long as the Warriors are, are the Warriors, as long as the Lakers are the Lakers and the Clippers have the talent that they have and Denver's still good realistically they will not be a playoff team i don't care who they trade for unless they somehow convince anthony davis to not re-sign with the lakers or if they can land a Giannis, if they can get a player on that like those types mm-hmm. of players then i mean realistically they can trade for any good or above average player they're not going to be a playoff team for at least two to three years at best that's best case yeah. scenario i say you draft and you develop draft and develop you have D'Angelo Russell, who has proven at a very young age, who's only 24, who's proven he knows how to score the ball. This man has ice in his veins. He has some off games. He definitely does. And they have Carl Anthony Towns, who's a veteran in the league at the age of 24, who's proven to be a great player. Build up around these guys. Maybe you score somebody okay, maybe good in the in the free agency. Maybe not this year, maybe next year. And two or three years. I mean, if I was, if I had management or ownership of this team, I could turn this team with the two guys that I just named. They should be a playoff team in three years. 
a, a serious contending playoff team mm-hmm. in three years. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's like the Kings. They're they're they fall in line. I feel like the Kings might have it a little bit better uh, as far as uh, talent goes. Um, but they they fall in line with the Kings or the Pelicans. You know, guys where you have two pretty damn good players and a bunch of young talent around. You know, they have some veterans, but that young talent you got to develop. If you mm-hmm. can't develop those young guys, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Speaking of trades, uh, the Pelicans are looking to trade Drew Holiday. I don't know if yes. they are like legitimately trying to get rid of him or they're trying to listen for offers right now. They do have Lonzo Ball. Drew Holiday is getting a little bit older. This team is a younger type of team. Drew Holiday also his contract looking. Drew Holiday his contract. Is he getting paid a lot? Drew Holiday. Oh, he signed a five-year so he's getting paid 26 million this year 26 million the next year all right i understand why they're trying to get rid of him now so he's he's just a lot of money he's a good player he could go to a team and put up numbers but this pelicans team they're trying to get younger he's 30 years old and they're trying to free up some of the cap space that they have i think that some of these guys like Lonzo and Brandon Ingram, they're going to need a new contract soon. So it makes sense now to see Drew Holiday being shopped around. Does anyone pick up that remaining 50 million though? That's, uh, I don't know who's going to do that. There's teams out there who, who buy in on these types of veterans. I mean, Drew Holiday, yeah, he's getting older, but he's only 30. To me, is in his prime. Drew Holiday in the last couple of years has balled out like we've never seen perimeter defense is he's second to none he's a great defender he can score the ball he's a two-way player he can average a triple double on a good night um but like you said with the pelicans roster they're very young they have young talent they have 26 million each year owed to drew holiday and another almost 18 million to Derek favors don't forget that yeah. So those are two guys. I would not be surprised if they bundle in a package and they they maybe trade and get a, a better draft pick. I mean, I'm sure there's teams out there. I, Derek Favors being a center that's 6'9", he does well. I just don't think that he's he's worth the $18 million that he's getting paid. Let's put it that yeah. way. So I'm not surprised to see Drew Holiday on the block at all. They have, they're so talented, um, one through five. I, I still think they should stick around with him maybe another year just to see what they do i think that they are a playoff team next year so with drew holiday Mm -hmm. you get rid of drew holiday i don't know what they're gonna run lonzo at the one i don't know who they're gonna run at the two maybe etuan Moore for the time being or they draft a two guard we don't know um they do have alexander walker as well so uh it'd be interesting to see this is the franchise that everybody has their eyes on right now not just because of zion but because of Lonzo Ball, because of Brandon Ingram, 23, 22-year-olds, guys who are super young with the potential, super high ceiling. So we'll see what ends up happening with Drew Holiday there. I wouldn't be upset if the Bulls trade for him, but I just don't think that it's worth giving up Zach Levine for a Drew Holiday, personally. Your contracts. Either. No way. The contracts, it's not. I could see if, you know, maybe Drew Holiday is getting paid $10 million because then you can offset the contract that Levine has. But twenty six million, it's it's not worth it as as a, a, a Bulls, you know, fan. Especially because they already have Otto Porter on the team. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Otto I would, Porter, I, who's... I would totally take the swap for Drew Holiday and Otto Porter because Drew Holiday would actually put up work and do numbers for the amount of money that we're paying him. Otto Porter, I don't think he really impacts the Bulls for what they're paying him. And he only has one year left on his deal. The Pelicans could get that. But in my head, I, I was originally thinking like, all right, what scenarios could the Bulls, do the Bulls have to actually trade for Holiday? And then the more I thought about it, the less realistic it really seemed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, again, I just don't know what they're going to do. Like, I feel like if you're going to bundle Zach, there's got to be so many teams that want a Zach Levine. This is a guy, I just keep thinking, I get flat. Every time I hear his name, 
it, I get flashes in my brain of that that game against the uh, the Hornets, that comeback where yep. he scored. I don't know how many points in the last third. It was like flashes of T Mac against the the Spurs back in the day. You know, I watched that game. I was at like a local like pub or so I don't even know where I was. I just remember going off. Like I was the only person in the building watching the game and nobody really caught what happened. And it was just like the steal, the, the three, the dagger to win the game. I'm like this dude is a play. He's not just a playmaker, but he's a game changer. And being as young as he is, if the, if he's really being shopped, I don't know if it's for Drew Holiday. <laughs> no, not at all. It just all. can't be. It just can't be. So over the next couple of weeks, we will see. It's the draft, and then free agency opens up, right? Um, it is the draft. Yes, on the um 18th, and then the NBA free agency, uh, does start on. Let's see. I don't have an exact date. It's it's supposed to be right after the draft, as far as I know. Okay. So this offseason, it's going to move very quickly. They did, are somewhat agreeing to starting in December instead of January. NBA had like two proposals. One was in December. One is in January. But if the NBA starts in January... They are expected to lose five hundred million to like a billion dollars just for starting late due to wow. Christmas time and whatnot. So they're trying to get started as soon as possible. And I think it's only gonna be a seventy two game season this year. The season would end in July. If they were to start in January, the reason why they would lose money, it would go down to sixty two games in January. Mm-hmm. And then they would lose out or then it would end in like August which would delay the next season from there. So I think they're trying to start up, try to get as many games as they can. 72 seems to be the number, which I wouldn't mind. 72 is still a lot of games. You determine the the standings very well from that. It's not baseball. The good mm-hmm. teams are going to play well, and they're going to make the playoffs regardless. So I hope they do start in December. I know people, I think you mentioned it about, People spending holiday time with their families. But for basketball, they need this. They need this to start. And especially for all the players that are looking to get paid in the future. They really need this. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, they are pushing for a December uh, Christmas start. I think it was supposedly the offers the 22nd. If the players agree to it, cool. If it was up to me, I would say, hey, let them. Like, I, I tweeted it out. I was like, you know what? Let them spend that last week with their families. Like, what's one extra mm-hmm. week, right? You start on the 28th. Um, if they don't do it, so be it. I mean, as a basketball fan, I am stingy. I like my sports, especially, I don't know about you, Healy, but my ritual the last, I don't know, 10, 11, 12 years is waking up on Christmas and I watch the basketball games. Yeah. I always watch the NBA games. They're entertaining. It's usually really good matchups. Um, I'll never forget uh, Derrick Rose's game winner over the Lakers and Kobe yeah. back in like 2012. And then uh, that Kobe, was, he was like triple teamed and got like blocked or something there at the end. Yeah, well. and then he hit yeah right over Paul Gasol. Oh, t- uh, Kobe, Kobe did get blocked. Kobe, yeah, yeah, Kobe did get blocked. He, he yeah, threw it that, up in like triple coverage. That was such a such a fun team. Oh man, rest in peace to a good era um but yeah that was also a late start too but yeah so i mean as a fan you know as as a human if the players are pushing for after christmas or after the holidays i get it you know as a you know we covid's been weird so be it if they want to start early like i said i'm okay with that i'm not gonna complain i won't complain so i'll just have my fan duel lineups ready i have it ready for all the listeners as well Mm -hmm. um but yeah, so obviously, and that's right around the corner. Yeah. So I know people are like, well, the season just ended. We have every, all these guys were stuck in a bubble. I get that aspect for the guys that were stuck in a bubble. Give them an extra week, but there's, there's... teams that ha- haven't been able to play for so long. Yeah. They got to get to it. Mm-hmm. They got to get to, they it. haven't played since March. And yeah. I, I think it doesn't matter really when these games are going to start I still think a lot of these veteran guys, maybe even like LeBron, they're going to 
not play as much in the beginning of the year. It's just going to happen. I think a lot of guys are going to sit out. If they want to spend time with their family, I think they are. But they got to get the season started at some point. I do think for the teams that played in the playoffs and a lot of those veteran guys, they are going to sit out, especially because, like, the Lakers, they know they can make the playoffs. And then once in the playoffs, they could could do what they want. Yep, exactly. I mean, it – you know what? And I get it too. It's a business. Obviously there's a lot of money to be lost, a lot of money to be made. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen for stadiums, for the fans, if what if they're going to allow it, maybe they're going to adopt the whole NBA or NFL idea, maybe uh 15% capacity in some States, depending on the state or the city you're in. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot at stake for the NBA and I get it. I mean, you got to think about it from a business standpoint too. You want it done sooner than later. Um, you don't want to have to deal with, uh, you know, fans being upset or throwing another asterisk out there like, oh, late start. But I mean, we've seen late starts before. We saw it, like I said, with that year that the, uh, uh, you know, Derrick Rose in 2012 yep. had that, you know, they had the lockout. So we will see. But NFL time, we had a few good games over the weekend. Uh, the Bears lost another one. They are now five and three. I just felt like it was the other day we were talking about them being like four and zero or five and one. They've lost back to back games, once against the Saints, and then they lost against who they just play. Who was last week? The Bears. Yeah, they just lost to the Saints, and then they just lost to. Why am I drawing a blank? I'm I'm mixing up my Green Bay right now because Green Bay just took a loss too. But yeah, the Bears are on a losing streak right now. And unfortunately, because of their loss, Green Bay still has the division. Um, you know, they they lost to the uh Rams as well. Rams Saints and Rams yes. on Monday night. Yes. Which the Bears are awful. Their offense is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. I can't. I can't speak on it enough. I actually hyped the Bears up going into this season thinking they're going to have a quarterback battle where one underperforms, the other one's going to come in and blow up. One or the other, right? David Montgomery's finally might he should have a breakout year because they're going to be focused on the passing. This offense is so bad. So bad. And they had an okay game against the Saints. They did okay. Against the Rams, their only touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, was on the defensive side. Eddie Jackson. Yep. Against the Saints. Saints, they moved the ball a little bit more. The Saints aren't the same Saints that they've been in the past, in the past couple years, where they had that super dominating defense, great offense. Close game. They did send it in overtime. They, They had a late comeback. But they have the Titans this Sunday. And I know the Titans defense is not as good as it was last year. They do give up the yards. They give up the points. If the Bears cannot capitalize on this Titans defense who has given up a lot. I mean, I don't know, like off, like passing, rushing. They do make big plays on the defense. But if the Bears cannot pull this off and they lose another game, making it three losses in a row, they end up facing the Vikings, which, yeah, they're one and six, two and six, whatever it may be. They aren't, they truly are not a one and whatever team, a two and whatever team. We've seen that. We've talked about it all mm-hmm. season. They're very dangerous on the offense, uh, at least when Dalvin Cook plays. Um, and on the defense, they're not that bad. Packers had a very rough game against them. I, don't know really what happened um but then after the vikings they have the green bay two more times they have i think that's probably going to be their toughest they should be able to take care of the lions the texans are okay deshaun watson might want his draft revenge as well so we'll see what ends up happening there but i feel like with the way they've been playing and with their matchup this this weekend i feel like this matchup is going to really decide which path they go down despite them already being on a two-game losing streak yeah, I think I said they could go five and five like the remainder of the year when they were five and one, mm-hmm. and they could be ten and six and be a great team. So far they're zero and two, so they need to go five and three 
the remainder remainder of the year, which doesn't seem bad. After this loss, they would have to go five and two. They are looking more like an eight and eight team though, which would be so unfortunate. And honestly, I think Matt Nagy is on the hot seat this year. If they Absolutely. make the playoff, even if they make the playoffs, he's on the hot seat. Or he just has to give up his offensive coaching, his offensive play calling, because it's not it. I thought it was it's a quarterback horrible. problem. And then they brought in Nick Foles, and guess what? It's the same issue. It's just Nick Foles can't run. It's the, yeah. The offense is so bad. And Nick Foles True. even said on during the LA Rams broadcast, he's like, you know what? Like, I know sometimes when Nagy calls a play. And I know it's not even going to work. The offensive line is terrible. Yes, they do need to rebuild that, but their play calling is also worse. And it just, it doesn't look good at all. Yeah. Apparently he took that statement back. Apparently he didn't say it, but I've heard from many people, including you and some others that, that he legit said that. And that says a lot. This is, you're talking about a veteran quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback. To say that it's it's clear as day. It's clear as day. You know it's bad when you're plus minus. So you're five and three. You're plus minus for points scored versus points against. You're under by five points. You scored 161 points, mm -hmm. which there's only very few teams worse than that. Uh, the Washington Football Team, the New York Giants, and that's it in the NFC. I mean, those are as bad as they get, these teams. Yeah. You, you, I don't care how good your defense is. I think the Bears' defense is, is great. They're way above average. I think that they have a top-notch defense. They have some of the best pass rushers. They have the best one of the best safeties in the game, Eddie Jackson. Kyle Fuller turned it around. This, dude, this is a dude that used to get burnt all the time by Green yeah. Bay. And now, all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, Kyle Fuller is – is only allowing what percent of passes to be caught? Like he's like leading the league or he's top three in the league and he's making the right plays. This is a kid who learned, you know, he studied the film and he worked hard and you have good pieces all over the defense. Mm -hmm. And then the offense gets the ball. You know, the defense is like son of a bitch again, three and outs. You're not moving the ball. The, the defense is on their heels because of the, I mean, anybody who watches football knows it's a game of uh, a chess. It's all about field position. When you have a good defense and a semi-okay special teams, it's constant. How do we manage to get three points? And it all comes down to, unfortunately, the Bears defense has to play great every single game or they wouldn't even be a five and three team at all. They would be probably in a, what they would be what the Vikings are. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking of Kyle Fuller and how he used to be bad, Kyle, Kyle Long tweeted a couple of weeks ago about uh, Fuller because Kyle Long's a big golfer. He knows Kyle Fuller's a big golfer. And he said his game changed when he started playing golf. Cause he was able that. cause he was able to like look at it and like really focus on every aspect of that game. And he took it and moved it to football as well to focus on every single aspect of that to get better. I saw that tweet. I saw that tweet from Kyle Long, and he swears by it that, that that golf actually, I mean, golf's a very interesting sport. Anybody who's ever golfed, maybe once, you probably hate it, but there's a science to golf, and it, it's, it's, an, it's a work of art. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, when he said that, I was like, you know what, that makes sense. Maybe it is. It taught him uh, to look at the game completely different. I mean, when it comes to golf, everything factors in. It's not just you and a club and a ball you know you got to factor in the weather you got to factor in the grass uh the you know maybe the turf or the the green whatever you want to call it um the club. all of that the yeah yeah and and how you approach every single shot so that was a good point out by Kyle Long in that with that tweet and you know that that kind of raised some eyebrows I was like man that you know I wonder how many guys actually cuz you always hear about players in any league they, they golf in their spare time. And I wonder if it's because they think golf is fun or if it's because it helps them uh, alleviate some of the problems they have in their actual sport. So 
the Steelers, they are the lone remaining undefeated team. They took down the Baltimore Ravens, who the Ravens did sign Des Bryant. Hopefully we'll see him play soon. But Pittsburgh, they're looking to remain undefeated this weekend. They're going up against the Dallas Cowboys. I think they still remain undefeated after this weekend. Yeah. Dallas is terrible. They're starting a third-string quarterback now. So, it, chalking a dub there. New England's going up against the Jets. That could be a scary matchup. I don't know. I thought New England was going to be sneaky good this year. I thought they were going to win 10, 10 games around there. Cam Newton. And they haven't played up to their potential. They started out. Did they start out 2-0? and or was it I'm what, pretty I, sure. I think they were one and zero, and then they faced Seattle, and then they went one and one. I think they started out two and one, and they've lost like their past four games. And they could have beat Seattle. They were playing great football. The defense is doing its job, and Cam Newton wasn't bad. I think he had like four rushing touchdowns in the first two games, or something crazy, mm-hmm. or maybe maybe in the first three games he had like four or five. And then that Kansas City lost after vegas so week four they lost to kansas city they go on a bye week heartbreaking loss to denver it was a six-point game i think it was all field goals they get destroyed by the niners and then they lose they did lose by three against buffalo you know that game was actually not a bad game i give them credit buffalo is really good uh i know buffalo has been struggling the last couple of games but buffalo has the talent offensively and defensively the jets they should win you would you would hope if they don't win then they're stick a fork in them the end of an era is now um but with that matchup they do have new england favorited by seven points i think they should be able to to pull off the seven point spread like 31 to at least 21 i call it a 10 point game uh i've i figured it's probably going to be a low scoring game it all depends on the type of cam newton we get uh the jets obviously we don't know what the quarterback situation is ever on any given sunday so um i could tell you it's a game i do not plan to watch uh for fan duel purposes i maybe uh, i can't even go with any players in this game uh new england though it's a must win considering the division that they're in um with the extra wild card uh this year they still have a chance they still have a fighting chance um you know obviously miami's in second place they're four and three uh buffalo six and two so there's some other good matchups uh going on tomorrow the game's up in the air i think it's gonna happen but you have green bay and san francisco as a packer fan i am not excited for it because san francisco recently in the past i don't know how many years they've just had green bay's number they Mm -hmm. know how to stop aaron Rodgers. They run the football all over Green Bay. Some teams do, um, but the 49ers on the other end, uh, George Kittle's out for probably the season. Debo Samuel's out because of his hamstring. They had some COVID problems. Um, I know Green Bay has some COVID problems with uh, Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon, so Aaron Jones has to play unless they go with like Tyler Irving. And You might see a game where it's Devontae Adams all game. He might get like 20 targets, no joke um 49ers obviously defense is great offensively you're gonna see them run heavily against Green Bay we saw what Dalvin Cook just did he exploded for four touchdowns he had like 40 points in fan do a fantasy single-handedly beat Green Bay so I'm expecting with the 49ers wide receivers being as scarce as they are expect them to just run 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 and the Green Bay Packers if Aaron Jones is actually out they're gonna they might play from behind in this game. That's what I'm worried about. They are giving Green Bay a seven point spread. And I don't know if it's gonna be a seven point victory for Green Bay. I feel like unless they can really stop the run, I can only give them a win by three or four points in this. Okay. Hopefully the the 49ers don't have their running backs run all over the Packers like Dalvin Cook did this past weekend. Four touchdowns in the first half. That was insane. There's nothing you can do against that. I mean, it was he had three rushing and then he caught one. I think like he caught one on like the first or second, maybe second or third play of the drive for like 45 yards mm-hmm. or 50 yards. It was like at that point, and Dalvin Cook's great. You know, for somebody who's 
been hurt a couple of times, like seriously. This is a dude who is just super duper talented. You'd hate, you hate to see him get hurt. Um, Minnesota hates to see him get hurt because that team is realistically, it's a very dangerous offense. Um, but nonetheless, Green Bay couldn't stop him. And <laughs> I'm just thinking about last year, regular season and in the playoffs, the 49ers destroyed Green Bay. Like Green Bay had no choice. Aaron Rodgers on his back the whole game. Mostert, um, you know, Coleman, all those guys are just dangerous. I don't know if Mostert's going to play, but even then, just their running game in general, Green Bay just, they have Green Bay's number. Mm-hmm. Some other matchups. We have Seattle and Buffalo, 6-1 and one team against 6-2 and two Buffalo. I'm excited because this is Seattle's first, I don't want to say it's their first test, but this is a true test. Buffalo's defense does not give up a lot, but Russell Wilson takes what he wants, and it's going to be the battle of two in Buffalo. Here's the thing. Seattle's defense isn't that great. Their, oh. their passing defense is not that good. Their run defense is kind of mediocre. Buffalo, Josh Allen has lit it, light it. He's been able to light it up against teams with mediocre defenses. Some of the better teams, we've seen him kind of struggle a little bit. I'm expecting him to have a rushing touchdown, two passing touchdowns. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I know that Buffalo's defense is pretty good. Uh, the over-under is 55-and-a-half. Seattle, they're only given a three-point spread. And I feel like that's that's an honest spread. I would take I would take the spread and over on the fifty four and a half. There's also Baltimore and Indianapolis, both five and two. Another great matchup. I wanted to point this out before I forgot, but I I did say see someone tweet out like if you have Derrick Henry, you're gonna like win the fantasy championship because for playoffs this year. The Titans are going to go up against the Packers, the Jaguars, and I forgot another team. <laughs> oh, man. I got to trade for him. I have trade bait. I'm glad you reminded me. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no the playoffs. Stop. Those are the like some of the worst run defense teams. Horrible. As a Packer fan, I'll admit it. Our, our defense, pass defense is great. They have super talented uh, defensive backs, talented safeties. And at times, they can stop the run. They can get to the quarterback. When it comes to the run game, though, more times than not, it's five, six, seven yards a carry, and you're just uh, dreading it. Um, especially Derrick Henry, who's who's would be a linebacker for somebody his size, but way faster. Tough to bring down. So that that's funny that you mentioned that. Um, he's definitely got to get added. If you guys... Have the option to trade for Derrick Henry. Go and do it. Thank, thank Healy later. Yeah, I, I like some uh, percentages. If you guys end up winning and he's healthy during the, I'm his agent during the playoffs, <laughs> he gets ten percent. I get three percent of his ten percent. Okay, a done deal. Yeah, that's a yeah. done deal. That that'll be the deal. So Baltimore, Lamar Jackson. Not having the type of year that we thought he was going to have so far, he can still explode at any given moment. Just an FYI, he's only worth like 8000 in FanDuel this week because of the Colts' stellar defense. I say you play him. I feel like for whatever reason, he's going to get you like 70 rushing yards. He's going to pass for at least 200 yards. And I expect between passing and rushing, there to be two, I call it three touchdowns. Ravens have a good defense. Colts have a good defense. It's going to be the battle of field position. And I have a feeling with Phillip Rivers turnover problem and Jonathan Taylor not really running the ball, the Ravens will get very good starting field position for Lamar Jackson to keep the Colts defense on their heels. So I do expect Lamar Jackson to be a top pick for fan duel this week. Mark my words. You'll see him in my lineup come Sunday. <laughs> And then the Sunday night game, wanted to, we'll talk about the Sunday night game real quick. Wanted to point out as well, ESPN has had some of the worst Monday night football games ever this year. Last week, we had to deal with the Giants being on there. They barely yeah. lost. So it was a good game regardless. It was a good Ter game. Mm -hmm. Terrible team to have. This week, it's a 2-5 and five Patriots and 0-8 and Jets on Monday night football. It's terrible. Sunday night, though. We get to see the second matchup between Drew Brees and Tom Brady. 
This oh, could yeah. help decide the division. The Saints took game one, right? The Saints did, yeah. That was uh I think that was week one when they played yep. and that Tampa I think Tom Brady made a couple mistakes, was still getting used to the offense. Obviously, games to follow, they look stellar. I'm excited for this game. I'm very excited. They keep going back and forth for whoever has the most career touchdowns for uh, passing touchdowns. I, I don't know. I mean, you have two. This is a division rival right now. This is the first time we've ever seen Drew Brees and Tom Brady in the same division fighting for the division. We are in week nine. We are in this is this is this is the halfway point of the season. This is the second time they're playing. If the Saints pull this off, they will have the lead. And Tampa Bay, I'm sure the red I mean, I haven't really looked at the rest of their schedule, but I mean, if we take a quick gander, they have Carolina, who's can be good. Carolina is part of the division. I know they're three and five, but with Christian McCaffrey coming back and Carolina battling for that wild card position, they're going to be a tough team. They have Carolina, they have the Rams, they have the Chiefs. Then they finally get their bye week. So these next four games for the Bucks are their toughest games. After mm-hmm. that, they have Minnesota, Atlanta, Detroit, Atlanta. Not as tough. If they can, I would say pull three out of four somehow. Out of these next four games, I can really consider them super high chances of taking that division. As long as, but they have to beat the Saints. Yeah, they especially need to beat the Saints because then head to head, the Saints would have Saints would have over them. Yep, yep. And you don't want that. Yeah, because the Saints, their schedule. I don't want to say it's as tough. It's not as tough, but they do have the 49ers next week, which can be a toss up. You never know what you get with that team. Um, but then it's Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta again, which Atlanta, are, are they truly a two and six team? No. Are they easy? I don't want to say that they're just a pushover, right? Um, they do face Philly, who again is one of those teams where Carson Wentz from whence he came, you don't know what kind of game Carson Wentz is going to have. Philly's not a bad team though. I know they're in a horrible division. They're, they have a horrible record, but don't count them out. Uh, eventually they go uh they play the chiefs minnesota and then carolina so they do have i would say close to as tough of a schedule but not as tough so it's it's a must must few wins here for tampa bay and i'm excited for this matchup i think we've like covered all the matchups for the week a lot of it seems like bad teams are going up against bad teams and good teams are going to get up against good teams there's a lot of great matchups to look forward to We'll talk about them all next week. Standing room only podcast. Thank you guys for listening to this, this week's episode. If you have not already, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're downloading the episodes. You could delete them shortly after you download them, but download them so that we get the statistic of you downloading the episode. And so we can get a brief understanding of how many people are actually listening to the podcast. So you can follow our social media for the podcast at SR only pod. And you can follow myself at the Healy six and you can follow goose. I am at I goose with four O's. Don't ask why Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Twitch as well. So thank you guys for tuning in, hit the download button and we will talk to you guys next week.